0: Maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. If you have your Bibles ready, we'll be in the book of Genesis, chapter 16, verses 1 through 16. We'll actually probably only get to verse 4 on this study. This is a part 1. I simply entitled this, Abram Fails to Lead His House and wait on God. Abram fails to lead his house and wait on God. Here's the first half of this two-part study. Genesis chapter 16, uh, and like I said, we're only gonna cover a few verses tonight. It's important for us to kinda get the idea of what's happening in this, because this is one of the biggest mistakes that's still affecting Israel today. Um, When you have the separation of, of Of Sarah allowing this to happen wanting this to happen and then Ishmael is born which is a blessing anytime we have children it's a blessing but the Arab nations have been birthed out of this and so you have brother versus brother and this is still in happening today it's impacting the world today and so we don't think about that when we study scripture we uh, that's why it's very important for us to understand that as we dive into scripture that we understand the things that we see in scripture are still impacting us today um and and it's important for us to get get that we all are from the uh the father abraham um whether you came from the ishmael side or you are are from the other side of, of israel and Uh, And so it's it's important for us to understand that as we dive into this. So I simply entitled this Abram fails to lead his house and wait on God. Abram fails to lead his house and wait on God. And so um, as we've looked over these last few chapters, we've seen the the uh, the promises of God have been. um, Have been gone over and and. We've also seen um, we've also seen the, um, the, the, the attempts of Abram trying to figure out what it was that he was doing at times and, and failing. And it's just a reminder to us that we, we also, in our attempts, will try to do things and think that we have it all figured out. And and we God is asking us to wait for something or to slow down before we j- jump into something. And we just do it because we think this is what we're supposed to do. Um, but we have Jesus. That's the thing that we need to remember as we go into this in Romans chapter five, verses 20 and 21. It says, moreover, the law entered the offense might uh, might abound. But wh- where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then look at chapter 6 of Romans, verses 1 and 2. It says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So one of the things that we see is we... uh, You know, as we practice and I always use that word because there's even that that verse in in Thessalonians where it talks about practicing righteousness as we practice righteousness and we practice holiness because you are going to fail. It's uh, it the 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 times when it's tragic is when you sabotage yourself. And that's what we see here in these verses with Sarah is is it's it's a tragic mistake. And she's trying to accomplish God's work, without God being involved, and and so there are consequences that that come from that. And again, like I said, you have the consequences of of the two nations that were birthed out of this, and and um, and it's just kind of sad to see. But if they would have just been patient enough to wait on the Lord, right? They wouldn't have had this this happen. And so when we see the Arab uh, even the things that are going on with Hamas and, and Israel, you have brother versus brother. That's the reality of it is brother versus brother. And, and so that's one of the things that's really uh, sad about all of that is because at the end of the day, Hamas needs Jesus. Have we prayed for that, though? Right, because a lot of times we won't pray for that. Like I, when I see kids that are pro-Palestinian, it breaks my heart. Because they have no clue what they're supporting, right? Nobody's sat down with them. You ask them the question, you have gays support Palestinians, right? Or trans support Palestinians. And I'm like, do you understand, like, if you were in Palestine, you would be stoned to death? They wouldn't allow it. You have no clue what you're supporting. You have no understanding that, unfortunately, that the tragedy of, of all of that is that we've had children beheaded, bodies set on fire, and that's what you want to support. And we actually have some Congress women uh that are supporting that. And they found out today that she's actually one of the people who started a page that promotes pro Palestinian uh thought and and that's sad because that's a, a US Congress woman that's doing that and that that breaks my heart but we remember like what we talked about when we looked at abram we see that abram was promised uh he's he's going to be 85 years old when all of this goes down and sarah is 75 years old now for us we automatically look at this and go there's no way sarah should be having a baby but remember this is post flood and so they lived a lot longer and so she's in the time frame of, of, of getting to the end of her barren years. And you look at that and you go, 75 years old, no way. But that's where it was at. They had been in the land of Canaan, so we know that Abram was 85. Uh, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 4, it says, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran." And so we know that at this time now, it's been 10 years. Imagine waiting for a covenant promise for more than a month. We're impatient people. Imagine doing it for a year. It's been 10 years. 10 years. We have the promise of eternal life for those who choose to follow Jesus Christ. It says, but remember, God uh, is, is one of the things that we have is to, to trust that promise. In Titus chapter 1, verse 2, it says, In the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. So Sarah's barren and she's not trusting this and she's getting angry because she thinks she's been abandoned, that her womb is going to close permanently. And so there's also, this is something that we need to remember, is there's a stigma. So if during this time, if you were barren, what sin have you done that caused it? That's how they looked at it. Or what generational curse was put on y'all's family? And that's why you're barren. And so she's carrying all of that and wanting a child. For you again, just remember, you have the promise of eternal life, but you have to trust in that promise. We have to trust in that promise. We have to remember that it's that our God does not lie. In Romans chapter three verse four, it says, "Certainly not, indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar." As it is written, that you may be justified in your words and may overcome when you are judged. God cannot lie. If God's promised this baby, it's coming. If God's promised you eternal life, it's there. You have to repent. You have to ask Christ into your heart. You have to turn from your sin. And then you have eternal life. There'll be heaven. We have to trust that. This world that we're in will come to an end. We also have the promise of Christ's return. Right? Now, a lot of people will say, well, it's been 2,000 years. It's been over 2,000 years. Y'all been preaching that for a long time. God's patient. He's wanting more to come to follow Him. God's true to His nature. Remember we talked about His, his attributes. You trust those because He is just. He is holy. And what He says, that's it. There, there's, he's not going to go back on it. In Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent, as he has said, and he will not do or has spoken, and will he not make it good? That promise is there, and that promise is there for Sarah, but she's not trusting it. In verse 1, it says, Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had bore him no children, And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So now Sarah is 75 years old. And God hasn't fulfilled this promise. It's been 10 years. And so again, we have to ask ourselves, what would we do in this situation? When something's been promised to us and it's not happened, are we going to stay faithful to God? It's very easy to get outside the presence of God and start trying to figure out how to manipulate your will and your timing. And you will make a mess. The other part is we see that Hagar was a maidservant. Hagar's name actually in the Hebrew means to flee, which she will do. Right? Which she will do. And the fact is that she's also an an Egyptian. In Genesis 15, verses 13 through 16, it says, The Lord said to Abram, Now for the certain that your offspring will be be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they uh, they will be afflicted for 400 years, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out of the great uh, possession. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace and you shall be buried in a good old age. The thing is, is like Hagar is Egyptian and she's going to give birth to Ishmael. Who's going to put them into chains? The Egyptians. I don't know why, I did, when I was reading his verses today uh, and and going over it this week, I kept thinking to myself, the, the, the child that's going to be born, Ishmael, that's part of the region that he comes from. We know in Genesis seventeen twenty, it says, For Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I, will, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. And his, he shall father 12 princes, and I will make him into a great nation. Now, many believe, many theologians believe that verse where he says there'll be 12 princes come from the birth of Egypt. So this mistake that's fixing to happen is actually going to be a mistake that puts Israel in chains. Right. And it's popular for and it's very important for us to understand this. Those of the Muslim faith believe that Ishmael, they are descendants of Ishmael. That's their belief. That's what they believe in the Quran. That's what Muhammad preached. But there's no, nothing for certain that, that can be backed up to prove that. But that's what they believe. Many of them are actually born of Jewish descent, and they, have, they, they don't want to ha- have that. They want to be born of Ishmael. Uh, because, again, it goes back to the claim of, of you know, Ishmael was going to be a great nation. And they don't want to believe in Jesus Christ. Again, it's, uh, these things are important to understand. Like when you look at the Muslim faith, it's a, it's a false religion. Anything that doesn't have Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God, the, the, the way, truth, and life is a false religion. And there are many of them, many of them. Whether it's Mormonism or Jehovah Witness, um, those things are out there. But they always have to do what they—they they don't know what to do with Jesus. He's the brother, or the uh, the brother of of, of uh, or the archangel Michael, or is he, He's the brother of the devil. There's always these things they have to do with Jesus. But Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And we say in verse 2, So Sarah said to Abram, See now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain a a children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarah. Now, it's it's one thing that we know is that, that at some point, Sarah and Abram would have talked about the promise of God. The covenant that was made of children that were going to be born. Right? And, and so she believes that she's permanently barren. And so she is, not, she is not without excuse for the decision that she makes here as well as Abram. Right? They're both, there's blame to go on both ends. And and so she she's blaming Yahweh for her being barren. Like I, this should have already happened. You're going to have to go into my maid. My maid servant. And 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 this is sad because what we see is we, we see somebody taking the 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 taking control and doing their will and and so this was and, and just to have an understanding here for sarah is is this was something they would practice so if uh if someone was barren and they couldn't have children the maid would be supplied and and she would be the one to bring a child for the husband and and so we also know that that's from the uh the the Nunesi tablets that reveal this in the marriage contract it says, it's, it says that if the bride does not bear a child for her husband, she may accomplish this through the maids she supplies. But it also uh, gives us a little bit more information. It says if, the, if later the female slave has claimed equality with her mistress because she bore children, her mistress may not sell her. She may mark her with a slave mark and count her amongst the slaves. So maybe Sarah was influenced by this custom that was around at the time that she was around. And 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 so she's looking at Hagar as becoming the person who's gonna bring birth and and bring a child to them. And she uses her handmaid. But Sarah was wrong, she was compromised. And so this is the problem when we are conformed to the world and we are are we're allowing ourselves to to. to to try to figure out a, a human solution for a divine problem, right? In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, my brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Here's the important part here. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, and what is good and acceptable. Unfortunately, Sarah was being conformed to the culture, conformed to the world, right? I have to have this child. I have to, this has got to happen. We've waited 10 years. We can't wait anymore, right? And, and that's, that's her, her thought, her process. It says, see now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And we know that that word to go into the maid is to have sexual relations with, uh, with Abram. And this is a big problem. And, and, and this is where the men need to pay attention. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarah. So, this is what happens when men don't lead. He just, you know what? Hey, it's okay. Let's go for it. It's sad. It's, this is really a sad piece of scripture because Abram didn't argue about it, didn't bring up scripture, didn't say anything. I can go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, and see the same problem that happened. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant for her eyes, and, she, and the tree desirable to make one wise. And she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Adam was the same, quiet. He knew what God had told him. And that's that's the sad part about all of this is like we're we're entering into uh, a season, a couple of seasons that are very woman dominant. Thanksgiving and Christmas. If we, men are happy to go ahead and go, hey, you do what you want to do for Thanksgiving, however you want to do it. You want to put the tree there? You want to do this? You just Let me just watch the game. Right? I've watched my family for the last few days like trying to figure out, are we doing a turkey? Are we going to Corpus? What are we doing for the holiday? They're waiting for somebody to say, this is what we're doing. They're looking for somebody to lead. And in my head, I'm thinking, my wife is working now. Last year, she wasn't working. So she wanted to do Thanksgiving. She had all of the time to do it. Now, I don't want to put that on her. So I'm looking at the kids. I'm like, I got five kids. They're all adults. And I'm like, okay, y'all all all are going to participate. Everybody's going to bring something. It's not going to be all on your mom. So somebody had to take the lead. That's my job as a father. That's my job as a husband. Even though they're adult children, they're looking for that leadership still. That's you know, And that's the conversation that me and my wife have had going back and forth. What are we supposed to do? What do you want to do? Well, I don't know. What do you want to do? Somebody has to lead. And, and that's the men's position to do that and to always do what's best for his spouse. And his family. That's our role, and 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 we don't see men doing this today. In Genesis chapter three, verses seventeen through nineteen, it said, "Then Adam he said, because you have heeded, same word, because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree which I have commanded you." you shall not eat of it cursed is the ground for your sake and toil you shall eat of it all days of your life but thorns and thistles it shall bring forth you and you shall eat the herb of the field and the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it were taken uh, for dust you are and dust you shall return he tells them you you because you have heeded your voice of your wife, you heeded. Uh, Abram heeded the voice of Sarah. But what did we learn at the very beginning of Genesis? Genesis chapter two, verse twenty-four. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and become joined to his wife, and they shall become what? One flesh. One flesh. Right. One flesh. My my job is as a, a pastor of the home, it's, I want you to understand, what I do here, this is what I do here. My most important job that, that God has given me is to be a husband. God has, has put me in a covenant, a covenant which I didn't even understand. I got married in, in the Catholic church. I didn't know Jesus Christ, right? And I'm going to talk about that this weekend. 22 years of a broken marriage. I mean, just a mess. Just a mess. And then we came, I came to know Jesus. She came to know Jesus. And then one of the things I learned that one of my jobs is as a husband is to actually have Scripture written on my heart so that I can wash her with the Word and that we can teach our children. That's my job. I'm, I, discipleship begins in the home. It starts there. And it's not a ministry. Your family is not a ministry. Just FYI, it's not a ministry. God has put you in a covenant with your husband. You are one flesh. You have kids. They're, they're there for you to disciple. And guess what? doesn't matter how old they are. You're still discipling them. i got five grown adults, and I still am imparting counsel to them, praying with them, sharing Scripture with them. It's, that's my role, and now as a grandfather,